Oh, yeah. Welcome into sport. Keep that up a little bit. Welcome back into Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Derek Kramer, Zach Jones, and uh, now I had to do this. We are joined by Sabres Twitter's sexy sax man, Anthony Scandra. Anthony, what's going on, man? It's been a bit. I'm doing all right, man. I love the intro. I was rocking out while you were introducing me. It's great. Hey, man. That, that's why we're keeping this rolling a little bit because, uh, because you know, anyone that follows you, they saw that you were uh, you were also rocking out last night. So had to give the, you know, had to give the cred where it's due. Yeah, shout out to my friend Slow Animals for having me on last night. That was a, that was a lot of fun. Anthony, first off, thanks as always to be able to come in and be able to talk with us. Talk some oh, thanks puck. for having me, man. Hey, you know it's what I gotta do. You're one of you're <laughs> one of my dudes. So, Anthony, the Sabres season ended last week. We got some good vibes. This team nailed probably every major event game this year, whether it was RJ's last call, RJ Knight, uh, the uh, the Winter Classic, or was it? No, that was the Heritage Classic. Excuse me. Uh, against Toronto, they did everything that they could when it was in front of a major audience. Uh, the Vegas game of Eichel's return, any major event game, this team crushed it, and it's part of the reason why we're looking at this team and going, "Wow, the, what is this feeling that we're heading into the offseason? Is this hope? Hope? Hope?" <laughs> uh, but hey, let's break it down here. With starting with March and against it was March second against Toronto when they whooped butt against a. Stanley Cup favorite, and continue to just manhandle them for the rest of the season. This team, though, is really giving you optimism that we haven't seen in a very long time. Yeah, you know, Sabres teams historically have kind of played down to their competition, right, and, and not really risen to the occasion. I say historically, like last seven to ten years, right? This team plays up to the occasion, and they play with a lot of pride, right? And you were seeing that, like you just said, during the Heritage Classic, Eichel's return, right? Both RJ Knights, like, they just kind of have a tendency to rise at the occasion. And having a, a you know, that kind of be catalyzed by a young group, you know, the, this future core, they, you know, the identity they're building, it's something that could last a really long time. You know, it's not like, you know, you've got a team full of, old vets that, you know, you did kind of a bandage deal, which teams do sometimes to, to get competitive. No, they're they're building this through, and they really are kind of reshaping the culture. And credit to Don Granado because he's got these guys mentally, right, in, in the right gear, in the right frame of mind. So um, it's a breath of fresh air. It's something we haven't seen in a while, and I, I think it's the biggest reason why this team is so endearing, you know, despite now setting the record for the longest NHL playoff drought ever. Nobody really seemed to care because the progress – Man, it was visible, right? It was palpable for the first time in so very long. Now, I, I gave Duffer some of the layup questions last segment. I mean, last hour. I'm going to give you some of the tougher ones, Anthony, and I expect you. You gave Duffer the layup. <laughs> so much more talented than me. <laughs> um, I want to talk more about the future of this team yeah. and what are they going to do in the off season? Because I like hearing your targets, uh, Anthony. Because it's very interesting to see heading into this free agency, heading into the draft, what this team is going to be able to do to grow upon it. I do wish RFAs were still a thing that teams did frequently because the RFA list is so tantalizing this year. But heading into free agency and having boatloads, oodles, noodles, and toaster strudels of uh, cap space, 
What do you think this team is going to be able to do in free agency and going forward in what is probably one of their most important off-seasons when there's actual growth on the line? You know, it's so funny. And, you know, you listen to Kevin Adams last week, and he almost sounded – because to me, the priority number one this offseason for the Sabres is to address the goaltending situation, right? Nothing costs them more standing points this year than poor play in that, right? And whether that was a result of injury or just not having depth or both, right? Um, that was a major problem. What I found really interesting is how content Adams basically sounded in – a, the possibility of a Craig Anderson and UPL tandem next year, you're putting a lot of eggs into the basket of a guy who has been very inconsistent in UPL, very often injured, which is the biggest thing for me because his NHL numbers you know, throughout his career are pretty good when he's had the chance. thing is he misses 20 to 30 games every year. You've got Craig Anderson at age 42 who also missed a really significant chunk of time. So, it almost feels like he'd be content recreating the goaltending situation he had. Now, granted, that could be a smokescreen. It could be him kind of posturing so that he doesn't negotiate on the trade market right from a position of, of weakness, right, where he could say, you know, in earnest, hey, look, I'm cool with the guys I have. I'm happy to roll with this. I don't need to get, you know, I don't need this to happen. So. In that regard, I think it'd be a smart play, but if he is being earnest and genuine in his sense that he's okay with extending Anderson and bringing UPL up, I'm extremely apprehensive about that plan. Um, you'd be banking on a huge development leap from UPL to become a, a even a platoon starter, and you're banking on both of their respective healths, which, again, big risk. So to me, priority one is goaltending. I don't know if the Sabres will share that. Um target we'll share that goal but uh priority number two i believe is a right shot defenseman who's capable of playing second parent minutes so anthony the other thing that you look at with going forward with this team what they need and some of the things that they have to look at immediately on the docket um one of them being victor olson Mm -hmm. he is an rfa again for the last time so the sabers do have some control in what they can do negotiations wise Clearly injured, had himself one of the biggest funks that you will see from a player, and then it looked like he was starting to get healthy as the season was winding down, and he ends up a 20-goal scorer for this team. This is one of your bigger or more interesting pieces this offseason that you have to worry about, but also more interesting going forward, what is Olofsson, how important is he to this team going forward and taking that next step? And how much do you think he's going to try to command based on the fact that he has an elite trait? Man, that's such a great question, right? And he's he's probably still the most polarizing player on the roster, aside from maybe Middlestat, in the sense that you have a portion of the fan base that says trade is right, leverage it for something of greater need, because they're convinced, you know, Jack Quinn is effectively going to replace Olofsson's role. I don't know that I see it that way exactly, but I, I understand where they're coming from in that regard. And then you have the segment who's saying you don't trade goals, which I, I, I can see that side of it as well, right? And, you know, despite the fact that, you know, Jack Quinn might be playing that uh, along the wall position on the on that top power play unit, Victor Olsen, Olsen rather, can, can still score at even strength, right? Not obviously as iconically or frequently as he does on the power play, but it's still something he can do. And something else you noticed when they put him on a line with Rasmus Asplund 
Olafson's underlying numbers just skyrocketed, right? Because he really didn't have to. He didn't, he wasn't on a line where <laughs> there was nobody taking those defensive responsibilities, right? Where they would just get hemmed in the zone and get shelled, where he wouldn't be producing anything at five on five because he spent the whole shift in the defensive zone. Now you have Asplund, who's kind of mitigated that problem, and and Olafson just took another kind of. Uh, skill set leap almost in not having to worry about that so much, not getting hemmed in, and he's having more offensive opportunities at five on five as a result. So I, I don't know that I'm fully on board with some of the people who are saying give him a four to five year deal. I think that's a risk, especially again you're talking about a guy who has a history of injuries, right? It's, it goes beyond kind of what he brings when he's healthy. It's how often is he going to be healthy? That's the biggest thing, right? So. I like the idea of retaining him. I think if the trade is right, if you get something crazy, you're like, uh, you know, say the Winnipeg Jets are really in earnest selling Connor Hellebuck, right? And they say Olsen's got to be part of the deal. Yeah, I'm probably doing that. But even though I, I don't mind Victor Olsen as a player, I think he's got value. You do that, right? So there's a lot of directions they can go. My gut feeling is that they extend him. I think it's probably something in the three-year range. It would bring him to age 30. And then at that point, that's when those type of uh, toolsy kind of one trick pony, right? For lack of a better term, I don't want to take away from him that much, but kind of wingers start to decline in production. So I'd be on board for a three year deal for him if he's, you know, keen to that idea. I think that'd be a smart play. But like you said, Derek, there's so many directions they can go with this guy, and it's going to be probably the most interesting storyline of the offseason in terms of players currently on the ledger. Now, you bring up the other polarizing player, Casey Middlestat, and mm-hmm. a large part of this Sabres fan base is still at how good is he really? Uh, because the right. poor guy this season, more than anything else, he just could not stay in the lineup with terrible misfortune. Uh, he gets injured, and then he comes back, and he gets injured almost right away. It, mm-hmm. it just was such a terrible season for him in terms of luck. But then you see him at the end of this year close out really strong. And with the Sabres being able to rotate and being able to have three centers that they can trust in a lot of situations now with Thompson, Cousins, and Middlestat, it's going to be very interesting to see how they look at Casey going forward. So the thing about Casey is he was the center on that line I was talking about with Aspen and Olsen on the wings, right? And that, that was where his metrics and his performance started to really, again, his stock started to go back up, right, towards the end of the year. So I think the value of Rasmus Asplund often gets overlooked because he's not a guy who, who shows up very frequently in the box score, right? And, and he can be almost unnoticeable, unnoticeable some nights, excuse me. But um, that's not always a bad thing. And, and he's so competent as a defensive entity at forward that he just – he's kind of – you know, I've brought it up on, on this show and on our podcast before. I, I call these guys blood type O negative players because they're just universal. You can put them with anyone – and they just routinely raise everybody around them's metrics. Like, if you look at uh, Aslan's Wowie charts, which for those who don't know, it's with or without you, meaning with a certain player or without them, every single player he spent over 100 minutes with this year had better metrics on the ice with Aslan than without him. So he's just been such a huge catalyst and an underappreciated player, and I think he's a big part of the reason Casey Middlestat started to look better and better as the year went on, right? Especially toward the end. So... To me, Middlestat is the most expendable forward still. That's not to say I don't think he'll end up being a good NHL player. He could very well end up being great. Uh, I think that he is the guy who, if you're looking to trade a forward who actually has trade value to address an area of greater need, 
he's probably he and Olsen, but I, I would lean more toward trading middle step personally. Anthony Scandra of Expected Buffalo joining us on the West Her Hotline, talking some Sabers, what to do from here, and uh, we'll turn to the NHL playoffs in just a little bit as well. Anthony, the last thing that I want to talk to you Sabers wise here, being about what it is they have so strong on the left side of this, uh, on the left side of the defense core. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Ryan Johnson, Kevin Adams spoke about him and seeing as there's not going to be much options, Johnson smartly knows that he's not cracking this lineup. Uh, what do you think the Sabres do from here with a guy that is still unsigned going into his senior season? And that becomes a very big risk when it comes to the rights of that player. It's such a great question, right? And, and the 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 off the cuff response is, well, you trade him now. You don't take the risk. You trade him. Well, why would a team want to trade for him? I guess, and that was my initial response too. It's like, well, they got to trade him now. But then you know, logic kicks in. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Unless that team has some assurance that he's going to sign with them this summer, wouldn't they just be absorbing the same risk the Sabers do? Now, there's a rule uh, for first round picks that if they do not sign with you uh, and they were drafted in the first round, you actually get a compensation pick in the following round at the same slot that that player was picked, right? So I believe Ryan Johnson, don't quote me on this, I think he was 31st overall, which would mean that the Sabres get a compensation second round pick if he doesn't sign, and that would be 62nd overall, right? Because it's that same position in the following mm-hmm. round. That, that draft pick, is is transferable, meaning if they traded Johnson's rights this summer and the team that traded for him could not, in fact, get a deal done, they would now get that compensation pick as a result. Right. That's a big deal. So Ryan Johnson's value, outside of whether or not, or not he would sign with his new team should he be traded, is that of a late second-round pick, right? So any trade he could conceivably be kind of thrown into this summer – Think about it that way. Think about it as the Sabres threw in a late second. Don't think about it in terms of the prospect. So that that's kind of the mindset I'm in right now, and I think a lot of people maybe aren't aware of that rule because it happens so infrequently. The last time that rule kicked in was when Blake Wheeler didn't sign with the Coyotes, um, and, and that was obviously quite some time ago. Wheeler's in his 30s now. So um, it's, it's an interesting situation. I, I wouldn't really understand the risk of, of hanging on to him with the hope that he would resign, especially because or uh, sign an entry level deal. Excuse me, um, mostly because his dad works for the LA Kings. And it's like, why wouldn't you just become a UFA and, and sign there? And especially a team that they're so overloaded with prospects on the right and very few on the left side of their defense. So, just an interesting thing to think about. But again, another really fluid, really interesting situation to kind of watch this summer to see how Adams manages assets. Because as we know, the biggest knock on Jason Botterill was he was the worst asset manager maybe ever, definitely in organizational history in the GM spot. And you want to see those kind of opposite tendencies from Adams. And granted, everything he's done to date has been very, very good and, and indicates that he's not like Botterill. But these are really critical, you know, little things that used to kill the Sabres, you know, death by a million paper cuts that you want to see him consistently do right. So beyond just the roster, this this offseason in terms of what the Sabres do with the assets at their disposal is going to be really, really interesting. All right, Anthony, we can move on now to the rest of the NHL playoffs. Everything seems like it's pretty even, and yet at the same time, we're getting zero close games. Mm -hmm. What in the heck is going on this playoffs? (laughs) 
it's so volatile, right, where you've got evenly matched teams. Like Tampa Bay and Toronto, to me, are extremely evenly matched, but they're just kind of trading haymakers where, you know, Toronto wins, what, five to nothing maybe that first game, and then Tampa wins five to two. Then last night, Toronto wins five to two, and which, granted, they had a couple, I think they had a couple empty netters there, so it was a closer game than the score indicated. But still, I mean, that, that's, not, that's not unique to that series. It's every series. They're just trading blowout victories, and it's, it's very bizarre. And it's funny, it's entertaining, but in a way it's not, where none of these games in a vacuum, right, have been close. So it's just kind of kind of bizarre to watch um very unlike very un nhl playoff like so um i uh, eventually think this is going to level out and you know these teams are going to get more of a feel for each other and, and kind of elevate or, or you know match the the skill set of their opponents and it's going to be closer and closer right as you keep going here but yeah to start it's it's been one of the weirder nhl playoff first rounds i've seen so, Anthony, of course, we've been part of this uh, fun little tournament, the uh, the Puck Luck Cup, oh, and uh, and uh, unfortunately, I had a I had a rough night last night here. Uh, Same that that noted jerk Joe Yurden, he's got a big lead on me now uh, mm. from yesterday. So now, like you, I have to get risky. So, um, how's your experience been with uh, with dealing with that so far? Uh, trying to like basically throw these little bets on these games. Like for me, what I'm mm. learning is thank goodness. I don't throw my own money around on this stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not much of a gambler in, in general, which uh, is more just because I'm not very good at it. Um, but you know, I got really lucky in the beginning, right? I picked St. Louis in the upset for that game one against Minnesota and it came through, right? I picked it. Uh, I, I forget what game it was, but an over the hit, right? I had a big lead on DJ Mitchell, and my last three games, I have just struck out. I think picking the Kings money line last night was the most significant blow I've taken. Just watching them get shellacked eight to two. Um, but again, like you, like we just kind of alluded to, the volatility of these first round matchups really isn't helping my cause here. I'm just going to start betting overs because all these games are just producing crazy goal totals. But, <laughs> that is the other thing, uh, yeah. A lot of scoring yeah. going on no matter what, even if it's blowouts. Like, at minimum, all the games last night, six goals. Yeah, yeah. Even your elite goaltenders, aside from Shesterkin, right, who, who's been pretty well shutting things down for the Rangers. I think he's got, like, 14 goals saved above expected over three games, which is insane. But, uh, yeah, even Vasilevsky, right, he's getting shelled a little bit, so... Yeah, not lack of reliability in net has been kind of a big thing, and it's you know, again, I think I might just switch to betting overs here just to see if I can make up some ground. Anthony, thanks as always for being able to talk with us. You're one of my favorite people to follow. You're one of my favorite people to talk to as always. So let the good people know if they're not already following you how to do it. Yeah, on Twitter, um, my handle is at expected by Anth, and uh, you know we have our website expected Buffalo where we. You know, especially with the offseason coming up now and a lot of these intriguing storylines, a few of them we touched on here. We're going to be cranking out content. We've got the podcast, the Expected Buffalo podcast as well. So, um, you know, we're, we've got Eddie in the mix now. We've got another guy coming on. Obviously, Chad and I are still here cranking out content for you guys. So, um, you know, follow us for what's going to be just a really fun, really entertaining couple steps forward here. Hopefully this team, you know, like we all feel, is on the right path and we can actually start writing consistently positive things which i think we've been waiting for a long time well i can't wait to see what kind of opinions you and chad go up against each other with so uh it'll be fun to see this off season such a fun series yeah
uh, the, the expected Buffalo face-off on the rare occasions Chad and I disagree. We'll, we'll square off and let the people vote who's right. So that we always enjoy those. Thanks again, Anthony, and uh, enjoy your weekend, my friend.